0: Hey, good morning. Hey, uh, turn to somebody and uh, say, it's time. It's time for what, Pastor Mike? Hey, if you brought your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. Here's what it's time for. It's time that we start reawakening our faith and start stepping into the impossible things that God wants to make possible for our lives. We just started last week a brand new series called Faith The goal behind this series is to reawaken any area of our life that has become stagnant, where we have had stagnant faith. And I just want to be honest, I I think we all could acknowledge this, over the last year and a half, almost two years now, we have seen the things that have gone on in the world just pause some people's spiritual journey, rob hope from others, and and everyone's going like, where's God, what's going on? And I'm telling you, he was not dethroned, he never got off, and it didn't pause your dreams, but that's what the enemy did. He said, it's unsafe, now everybody stop. That's what we got to do. And I felt like the Lord reminded me this morning in my prayer time, May 20th, 2020. 2020 20. might be something significant, I don't know. I was... We were not gathering as a church, and I sat and I thought, Lord, what what are we going to do? I mean, I, I thought two weeks is all we were going to, you know, be down for, and here we are. It's May, and I didn't know what to do, and I said, I need a word from the Lord, so I I, went, I took a day, put all my activities and my tasks and schedule, and I said, I got to go talk to God because... We don't. I don't know what's going on, and so we're like the rest of the world. And like it seems like everybody's lost their mind. Everyone's in a hysteria. The church isn't gathering. God, what's? Are you still around? Like, are you coming back? What's happening? Like, and I think I'm not alone in that. I mean, I for the last year and a half, all kinds of emails on everything you can think of, political, and time, everything you can think of. And uh, so I'm like, I gotta figure out what we're gonna do. And so on May 20th, Lord, remind me this morning. Uh, I was. I, was, I went and said, Lord, how, when are we going to start gathering? And I got a vision. I was praying. It was a day of, of fasting and prayer. I'm trying to seek wisdom for the church. We have so many voices telling some people mad at us, some people saying we're not doing enough. And, I mean, it was crazy. And so I get with the Lord, and I said, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And the Lord gave me a vision. Like this, this was the Lord. This was not my mind. I didn't imagine. It's like He was just dropping his, and I seen this tragic car accident, and my and and I seen, uh, you know, the uh, the respond, the first responders are showing up. There's ambulances, there's fire trucks. And, uh, and I see this mangled up car, and all the first responders are getting, are, are pulling people out of this wreckage. And what do first responders do? They check the critical, vital things. They check pulse. They want to make sure you're breathing. And I seen this come out, and the Lord said, This is what's going on in the world. There's been something very traumatic that's happened to the world, and everything, and it stopped everything. And then, uh, and then, it, then my vision switched to a, a hospital room. And when it moved to the hospital room, uh, it was these same people who now have been stabilized. And then the Lord said this, Mike, you need to stabilize the gathering. But they're not going to walk real well. And I thought, and, we, and I, it was a, a month later before, because June 20th was the first time we got back together again since March 13th. It's, that's a long time. And it was scary times for all of us. So I'm sitting there, and the Lord says, stabilize the gathering. And so I was seeing people laying in the hospital beds, but now they're breathing again. And then I seen them in my mind's eye, in, my, in, my, in the, just a prophetic imagination, if you will. People getting out of hospital beds, walking, walkers, have, carry, holding their IV lines. And it says that when you start stabilizing the gathering, you're just hooking IVs back up into people. And I thought, so here we are. A year and a half passed all of that. And uh, we've, we've not fully been the same size uh, s- since uh, March of 2020. Of course, it's true for most churches um, and most organizations everywhere. Everybody's still rebounding. And so when I was praying this G- uh, December, I heard the Lord say, people need faith again. Turn to somebody say, it's time. Am I right? I mean, is it time? I'm not saying we move on. There's still things to be done. I'm saying let's move forward. You see the difference? It is time that we stir up our faith. I don't think it's an increased thing right now for faith. I think it's, we gotta, it's already there. You've got to stir that thing back up. The embers got cold. We paused too long. Anyone who, who sets a fire, you know, you got to start stoking those things. you got to start blowing on those things again. And it's time. This is the goal of this series is to reawaken our holy imagination, stir up the faith that is on the inside of us, stop being stagnant, stop being afraid. I'm not seeing so unwise and stupid, but I'm just saying, hey, there's still dreams God has placed in your heart. There's still something that we have to battle for, which is the hearts of people, which is the souls of others, which is our marriage, which is our job. Whatever it is, whatever the Lord is stirring up in you, there is more we're called to do as the people of God. And it's time. So that's why we're doing this series. That's the goal of this series. Now, one of the uh, shows that Jen and I like on Discovery Channel, which is probably my favorite channel. Because I love documentaries and all the weird stuff like that. Jenny doesn't like documentaries, but she does like all the house-flipping stuff, and, uh, and we joke about it, because I'm like, it's the same episode every time. It's just a different house. Like, we're, it not it true? Like, it's the same episode, and so what do they do? We're going to have an open concept, blah, blah, and it's all the same, but our favorite one, like, together, we both like Gold Rush. Can I get an amen on Gold Rush? I love Gold Rush. I was bummed Hoffman's been out of the picture for a while, but I love Gold Rush, and Jenny does too, but really, it's the same thing. Some machine's going to break down in the episode, Parker's going to get upset, they're going to beep out his cuss words, uh, Tony Bleak, he's just a mean old cuss, I don't know how he ever got in, in all that, but anyway, but here's what I love about it, about that thing, when the start of the season, these guys are full of hope. And last week we talked about hope fuels our faith. It's you need hope, right? Last week we unpacked like what is faith? Well, faith is the settled expectation of the unseen future promises of God. Faith is the settled expectation of the unseen promises of God. And the scripture we used was Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. It says, Hope or faith is the substance of. And the confidence of the things hoped for. Hope is not faith. Hope is the fuel of your faith. And when these guys show up in Alaska to claim their gold, they have a settled expectation that there is gold in that ground. And that hope, that expectation fuels everything they do. Now, on Gold Rush, they always have like virgin ground or... um, It's just just overgrowth, trees, and they got to rip all of that up. They have to change the landscape, if you will. Moving hills, sometimes rerouting water, I mean, watersheds. I mean, it's amazing. They are literally like reshaping and pushing and moving dirt to get to the thing that they are hoping for. And I felt like as I was watching that... uh, This is what faith looks like. There's a treasure, something valuable that faith does for us. But we uh, we need hope, which is the fuel. But the Lord has given us spiritual bulldozers to reshape the landscape of our life to get to the treasure that he has for us. That is what faith is. A settled I know there's something more here. I mean, when you show up and you're looking at trees and you're looking at the overgrowth and you're looking at the hills and the waters, it's like a lot of work to get to that. I mean, they are working hard to get to the end result. Faith, we live by faith. And it's a settled expectation of the things that we hope for. Also last week, we talked about that faith is the journey, right? It's the going after it. We live by faith. We walk by faith. It is a journey that we have. So, how do we do it? Because I believe if we exercise our faith in the biblical way, in a biblical way, what can happen is it can reshape the landscape of our life. And it takes faith to do it. And we may have breakdowns, we may run out of gasoline, there may be bad weather that slows us, there may be life events that slow us down, but Faith is the ability to see and move beyond all that. So today, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. Jesus gives us powerful illustrations on the power of faith. And that's what I want to talk about today. The power of faith can reshape the landscape of our spiritual life. And, you know, for them to get to that treasure that they are hoping for, to get to the gold in the ground, they need the power of a bulldozer. They need the power of a backhoe. All of these things. They need the power of dump trucks to move things, to reshape the landscape so they can get to the treasure. In our faith, there is some dreams in our heart. There are things that you're hoping. There's a treasure that God has placed on the inside of you, but you may have to reshape the landscape through your faith. And you need these powerful equipment to do it. And I want to talk today how faith is like a bulldozer. It is, the, it is a powerful uh, value, virtue, the Lord has given us to reshape the landscape of our life. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. Now this is uh, on a Monday, the Monday before Jesus goes to the cross. So in the next five days, he's going to the cross. Now the The disciples don't know this, but I got a sense that Jesus does. He knows it's coming. This is why all of this, the last five, the last uh, week of his life is recorded in all the synoptics of all the Gospels. And it says here in verse, so this is Monday. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, that's where they were staying, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, He found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one eat, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. It says he was hungry. If you read, if you read all of the week, you know that that this is the same week where he goes in and he drives out all the money changers. Like he literally builds a whip and just starts whipping people. And uh, and I can just, I, when I read this, I kind of, I read with a, a bit of a imagination and try to embellish like what, what what was actually happening. And I wonder, like, man, the disciples Monday night getting together is like, guys, is Jesus losing it? Because like. He's whipping people. He's never done that. I mean, did you see him talking to the tree this morning, like he was talking to a tree? Now, this is what makes faith crazy. This is what makes our faith way different than than I think than than other religions is because Jesus paints this example that we can do some crazy things. But I think in their mind, they're 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 like. I wonder, I think this probably did happen, like, man, he is intense this week, talking to trees and making whips and just throwing people out of the temple. Can you imagine if a pastor did that out in the parking lot just talking to bushes and uh, people coming to church and say, get out of here, you don't belong here, what are you doing here? And uh, like, hey, church is a place for everybody, I know Jesus, you're intense this week. All right, so they go back, verse, verse um, 20, so we kind of skipped the evening verse 20 in the morning so now this is Tuesday the next day as they went along they saw the fig tree withered from the roots Peter remembered and said Jesus said to Jesus Rabbi look the fig tree you cursed withered 22 Jesus uses this as a teaching moment verse 22 have faith in God turn to the person next to you and say it's time To have faith in God. Now Jesus tells us the power of faith and what it does. And he also tells us why it doesn't work. Let's watch what he says. Have faith in God, Jesus. And truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now when I just read this, I just want to acknowledge this. This is crazy. This is radical. You seeing what Jesus is saying? He's like, move a mountain through your prayer. Believe it and receive it. This is radical. And when, he, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So before we move on to the power of faith, because that's what I want to drill down on in, in the next few minutes, I want to just talk about what actually hinders our faith, because he tells us. He tells us right here. Um, number one, he says, uh, doubt and unbelief. Verse 23, he said, does not doubt in their hearts. Now, this word doubt in the Greek, it means to waver between two opinions, and it causes you to doubt. It's wavering between, you have a divided loyalty, which I can't remember... Who said this in the Old Testament, but how long will you waver? How long will, will you uh, waver between two opinions? Decide today who you it was Joshua who to decide today who you're gonna serve. It's for me and my house we will serve the Lord. Because the people of Israel were wavering between two opinions. And when what hinders our faith and what unsettled us, what unsettles us is when we have God's thoughts, internal struggles, right, uh, be, that we're subjecting our feelings to. Well, I think God is saying this, but I feel like this. They're, 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 it's the, uh, the world's opinions. It's uh, the opinions of God, and you're trying to dissect and to judge. You're, it's what James calls double-minded. Your double-minded means two opinions. And doubt is actually hindering, carrying two opinions. I know that God said this, but the media is saying this. I know that God said this, but my friends are saying this, and you're double-minded. You have two opinions, and you won't decide. It hinders your faith. He says you can move that mountain if you don't waver, if you don't hinder. Look at this verse in James 1.6. He actually talks about this. James one. Chapter uh, James one verse six says, talking about prayer, praying for wisdom. But but this applies to every part of prayer. But when you ask in prayer, you must believe. This the same thing Jesus said. James was the brother of Jesus, and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The purse that person should not expect. He doesn't have a settled expectation. He's like a boat in the middle of the storm in the ocean just being tossed left and right between this thought and that thought. Did God really say, is this really the Lord? It should expect to receive anything from the Lord. Remember last week we talked about faith is what actually pleases God? And so it makes sense that when we try to pray pray in doubt, or between two things, we're not actually walking by faith, we're we're walking in fear. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. What's been unsettling you? Where the Holy Spirit wants to come and start settling down and say, it's time that you get strong in your faith again and let's move forward because there are lost people, there are lost souls at stake. There are marriages to fight for. There there are businesses to birth. There are things that God wants to do in your life and in mine, but we can no longer doubt. I remember when we started communicating to the church in Kalamazoo that we were going to leave. We have been there 17 years. We were going to leave and plant another church. And I mean key leaders in the church... Key uh, influential people in the church and other friends for months. Because I was a worship pastor there. I w- was speaking at worship conferences. I was writing with people with songs that you've heard on the radio. And, I, and so pe- it didn't make sense to people's mind. But I, I heard the Lord. He said, your next season you're going to plant a church. Now, it didn't make sense. It was about as crazy as talking to a fig tree in people's minds. So they'd come up and they'd say to me, are you sure? Literally, like, we're puzzled. They couldn't see it in their mind's eye. I actually, I, re- I remember one of the uh, members on the worship team, he was the drummer. His name was Ben. He came up to me one day, and he's like, Mike, are you, you sure? He's like, I, I just can't see you pastoring. I just can't. Here's why I'm bringing that up. You know what causes you to be double-minded? It's three things. It's the world, it's other people, or it's yourself. It's either you're battling between two opinions or it's other people trying to keep telling you, sure, are you supposed to do that? And I'd have to say, I heard the Lord. i just tell them, I couldn't defend myself, I couldn't say I was qualified, I wasn't, I'd never done it before. So I, you know, I had no, I, all I had was faith. All I had was what I was seeing in my mind. So being double-minded or being in doubt and unbelief will hinder your faith. Number, second reason what hinders our faith, I'm not going to get through my message. Ah, that's all right. We'll get through it, but it might take a couple weeks. Uh, the, the other thing that hinders our faith is Unforgiveness. Towards other people. Now, I don't want to unpack this. G, G, he said it right. He said, "And when you stand praying, if you hold it, so he tells us. Here's what faith can do. Here's the power. It can move mountains. It's powerful if you believe." And he says, "Don't doubt and don't hold unforgiveness. But the reason why is because when you are when you have an attitude or you're offended towards another believer, it actually impacts our relationship with God. And and God will will not put us into that next season or at least that next thing. He will not give us anything that is beyond what our character can handle. And when we don't walk in forgiveness towards other people, we are out of character and out of kingdom ways of living. So he's not going to bless that endeavor. He's not gonna, he's not gonna help you. He's unbelief and unforgiveness is gonna keep you from moving forward in your faith with the kingdom of God. It stunts your faith. So, it's important to walk in forgiveness and, and to have a settled expectation. I'm not going to waver between two opinions anymore. How does it work? How does powerful w- uh, faith work? Well, it sees, it speaks, and it believes. This is the, po- this is the power of faith. Simply, I'll give you just the 30,000-foot view, the, the kind of the big idea of the message is, is faith sees, Faith believes and faith speaks. Faith sees, faith believes, and faith speaks. Say that with me. Faith sees, faith believes, and faith speaks. Say it again. Faith sees, faith believes, and faith speaks. Jesus, we see all three of these elements in the scriptures that we just read. So the first thing is, I want you to to notice is faith sees the potential outcome before it happens. Peter's like, Jesus, look at this, look, look at this fig tree. And he said, hey, you see that mountain over there? You could say to it, move in a sea. It would do if you don't doubt it. He's saying, he's giving them a prophetic picture of the power of faith. And he says, because he says the premises of all of this is faith in God. Right? You Faith see, and I say the potential, because what I've learned about the things I see when I'm praying, and God gives me just pictures and images of seeing the outcome of things, it's always been different than the way I've seen it. That's why I say potential outcome. Or else we will build an idol out of the thing we see in our mind's eye. But we have to see the potential of what could be. And then trust God with the outcome of it. But you have to see it in your mind's eye before it happens. You have to see the restored marriage before it happens. You have to see the success of that business before it happens. You have to see the healing taking place in your body before it happens. You have to see yourself full of life and joy to get out of that depression. You have to see it in your mind's eye before it happens. You do this, everyone who's tried to lose weight. You have done this. You've seen whatever image of another person. What's that rock, that guy's, that rock guy? Yes, Swain Jones, yes. <laughs> Netflix has this uh, thing on, and, and there's just this thing where he's like bouncing his pecs. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, how do people do that? Like, But we do it, right? You want to lose weight. You want to be in shape. And you see it in your mind's eye. You see that perfect image of that girl. So you're like, oh, I I want that body. I want that body. Not me, but, you know, girls. Uh, (laughs) That would be weird. It would be sweet to have Wayne Johnson's body. though. That dude, he's like, but you got to see it in your mind's eye. And you have to stay on that vision. Because that's what happens. The enemy wants to rob you of that vision. Faith sees it before it happens. And let me just say, in the spiritual realm... Listen, this is what's happening on Gold Rush. They are seeing a pile of gold on measuring day when they measure 100 plus ounces of that gold. And they're bringing in a, they're seeing that when they're driving the bulldozer. And it's the thing. It's, faith is the expectation of the unseen future promises. You're seeing the future. It's not physically here. You have to see it before you see it. He says it. He says, "Speak to that mountain. You have, and it's interesting. Jesus says it in past tense. Believe you have received it, past tense, even though you have not received it, because you have to see it in your mind's eye. The, the, what could be better about your life? Because faith actually will change the landscape. Anyone who's done landscaping knows this." You, I got I, you see it, you see your yard this way before you move a boulder before anyone comes in and moves dirt before you put in that fountain or that waterfall. You, this is what you're doing. you're seeing it first here and that is how faith works and it'll the same way that it works in the natural, changing physical landscape will also change the spiritual landscape of our lives and our minds and our marriages and our finances. That's what faith does. It moves us forward. I think. In our mind's eye, if I could just speak just with a holy prophetic imagination, I think we need to start seeing a prophetic, uh, in our mind's eye, start seeing reshaping culture in the way that God sees it. Because the pandemic has gotten everybody stuck. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be wise. We should. Like, I get that. But we can't stay here. We can't live perpetually in fear. We can't, like, fear is just robbing you of life. Look at the stats. They're calling it a mass trauma. Look at depression rates among teenagers, really all people, especially people in the medical field. I mean, they are getting fatigued. And why? Well, they just, what's feeding their soul. It's seeing the same thing. So we have to start as a people of God saying, I see a healed future. I see us rising above all of this and saying, come, it's safe. Come out, it's safe. The, the, the rain has stopped. The sky isn't falling. We can still be wise. We, you can walk with wisdom and still walk with faith. But I'm telling you, this pandemic, and I don't know why I keep coming back to this, because I think because it's so in our face in the media, there has to be prophetic voices that say, look, let, let's not ignore that. I don't want to, let's not ignore that. But it cannot be the thing that is just going to drive our life. We need a holy, and and the world needs you to see prophetically that there's something different. So you're moving things in the spiritual realm the moment you start believing and seeing that thing. This fall, I bought my dream car you it's used car it's a 1957 Chevy it's, I've always wanted that since I was a little boy now it's not perfect you can see the bondo flaws like there's a lot of flaws in it but I can see this thing restored and all my windows are cracked right it's not a perfect car it, it is you know it's a very you know it's almost 70 years old it's a very old car so the windows are cracked so I I got on eBay on Christmas break and bought all the new windows I needed for that car. Because I could see me driving this car without a cracked spider web window. I could see the windows functioning and rolling down because there were some broken parts in the tracks of the window. So the moment I sent payment, somewhere on the other side in eBay land, some guy gets that email. said someone bought those windows. They're not at my house yet. But I can see it. But even though it's not physically here, somewhere else, someone is wrapping in bubble wrap these windows. Someone's packaging. Someone's putting it on a FedEx truck. And it's in route. Now it took uh, you know almost two weeks to get here. But two weeks ago I'd already received it. Are you seeing how faith actually changes the land. and it's not in my car yet, but it's already here. Faith sees before you see it. Is that making sense? So get a, get a holy imagination for what you're, get a prophetic vision of what God wants to do in and through your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your career, in all the different activities you're involved in, in the dreams that you're... and the ministry you want to start, the community group you want to launch, all of these things, let it stir up in you and see it, the potential of its outcome, because the power of faith will reshape the landscape of your life. Number two... Jesus said, have faith in God, believe you received it, and the mountains will obey you. Okay, to move a mountain is physically impossible, so what Jesus is telling us is we have to believe God for the impossible things. Faith believes all things are possible with God. Turn to somebody and say, all things are possible. All things are possible. Jesus is stressing most commentary is saying this is a hyperbole, that he's, he's making, he's using a mountain to make a point, he's stressing the power of faith, can move, he's telling us, if it's aligned with the kingdom of God, because God is not saying that, Jesus is not saying God is a genie in a bottle, that's not what he's saying, if you just believe it, and you say it, and you know, he's like rubbing the genie bottle, oh, I want a brand new house, paid off, Jesus, Because he'll move that mountain, but he might just give you a shovel to do it. So he's not saying, poof, it's in the sea. You can climb a mountain and get to the other side, you can dynamite a mountain, you can bore a tunnel through. He'll get you on the other side of that mountain if he wants to. I don't know how he'll do it, but he will do the impossible. Jesus is telling us that there is power in our faith because faith will reshape your life. And when you move a mountain, you're changing the landscape. So, what mountain is in your life that seems impossible? To, what is immovable right now that you know needs to move in your life? That's like, this thing is ruining my view. I need this mountain to move. This, this separation, this unreconciliation, this unforgiveness is ruining my view. And I need, I, need to ch- I need to move this mountain so my landscape changes. Faith sees and faith believes this thing is going to move in my life. I have all kinds of stories about this personally. But I'll share one quick one. You've heard me share this before, but it is at a point in my life when it felt impossible for me. We started out our marriage in a trailer park. And I know that's politically incorrect to say now, but there's no other way to describe this mobile home estate except to call it a trailer park. It was a trailer park. Every, when you say that, it gives you the right image. If, if, if I say mobile home estate, you would, you would think I'm living better than I was or we were. Am I right? Oh, it was rough. It was real rough. I mean, the guy two doors down from us had SWAT teams around his mobile home. He had one of those, I don't call the police, and there's like a gun in the window, you know. Uh, it was a rough place, rough place. We had no money. We had just had our first child. Jenny's pregnant with our second child, and she wants a home. And Jenny has faith. She can see the picket fence. She can see the landscape looks different than the trailer park scape. And and she's she's like the persistent widow, but the persistent wife. Man, can I get amen? You know the you know the persistency. What's that proverb say, like that that gentle word spoken over and over and over and over and over somehow just moves you? That persistence, yeah, persistency. She can see it. I couldn't see it because we had no money in our account, and I mean no money. I mean, we're just barely paying our bills, and Jenny wants a house. And I am so discouraged, because I can't provide for I mean, I feel like a failure. I, I can't make more money than what I'm making without you. Know, and and you know, what we have is what we have. It will take a miracle. This is impossible. So we're looking at houses, and I'm just discouraged. I don't even want. I, I say, "Why look? We don't have a down payment. We don't have the 20% required." Like, and she said, "Well, we can look." What's she doing? She's seeing with the holy imagination. She's seeing it. Well, we can look. No, I don't want to look. We don't because I was looking at what's possible through my means. She was looking through what how God could do the impossible and make it possible. So, I uh, she. Finds a home, her and my mom working together. <laughs> she, my mom finds a home for us and, and, and Jenny says, your mom found a house that, 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 that's not went on the market yet. We can go look at it. And I'm saying, why would we? We got no money. Like, why do you want to do this? Well, let's, can't we just go look? I'm like, oh, yes, we can. You know, I, you know I, I thought just doing the drive-bys with you would satisfy her. But now we actually got to go into one. We got to like, make an appointment. So we do and we show up and, and it's everything. And, and in that moment, I could see it. Oh, yeah, th- this would kind of be nice. There's a pool in the backyard, a nice little playhouse. swings. It was like everything. It was a whole other view for us. But I could see it finally. We go back to the trailer. I, I was working third shift. So I got off my shift. We went and did that. So it's like 11-ish in the morning. I get back maybe 10 or 11 in the morning, and I'm dead tired. But I, and I don't pray on my knees. But for whatever reason, this morning, I just went to my knees. Uh, Late, uh, you know, it's back in the days of waterbed. So I'm, you know, down by the waterbed. <laughs> praying my trailer park prayer. And I said, Lord, if it's possible, that's what I said. If it's possible. It's impossible in my means. I can't do this. But if it's possible, we would. I, this would be perfect for Jen and I. And God honored my prayer. I said, I can't wait for Jeff Shortridge to get here because faith. God honors movement, and all the Lord was just. Jenny moved the dial. I took it to the Lord, and I, for one quick moment, I thought this is possible. Financially, this is impossible. We don't have the money. I I don't I don't know if I was asleep twenty minutes, and I hear the trailer park start or not trailer park, <laughs> the trailer starts shaking. <laughs> Jenny's running, you know. Is it, it, this was this thing wasn't even fifty foot long, and I'm not lying. God is my witness, wasn't even fifty foot feet long, and so she's running. And so when you move in this trailer park, the trailer or the trailer this this trailer moves, this mobile home moves, and so I'm feeling like. Is there an earth, you know, the waterbed? It's like so, something's happening. And Jenny's like, like your ma just called. And the woman, the lady that was selling it. The woman said, we can move in this Saturday and save up for the down payment and, and purchase the house six months from now. We seen that thing on Monday and was living in it on Saturday. Listen, I'm telling you, you serve a God that can move mountains. I don't got no money in the bank. Why am I even praying this silly prayer? Because you're speaking to a fig tree. You're speaking to a mountain. And you're commanding this thing to do so. So faith sees, faith believes. The last one, faith speaks. Faith speaks to the mountains. What mountain was I speaking to? The mountain of lack. I couldn't see it. How I could move this thing forward, this vision that Jenny had. You know what mountains are? It's the holy frustration in your heart. That's the mountain, the holy frustration in your heart. We were living in the trailer park and it was a frustration for Jenny. That was a mountain. We gotta move this thing. I gotta change the landscape. I gotta see differently than what we're seeing. Is this speaking to anybody? Because we gotta get. On. we got to move forward we it is time to be people of faith the world needs people of faith you need to be a person of faith so you got to see it you got to believe it and you got to speak it why because learning to speak to our mountains helps us grow in strength I said this last week when God gives you the victory it gives you more strength for the next one it actually increases your faith Jesus was speaking to a fig tree. And then he tells his disciples, do the same thing. Don't don't do it on a little tree even. Don't do it on a bush. Do it on a mountain. What's the holy you you know why Jesus spoke to the fig tree? He was frustrated. He had a holy fr- he said, "I'm hungry." Is this thing had got no fruit and he just curses the thing and it died. And it was accelerated. I don't know cuz this said it was in leaf. Right? So it was, you know, it had some life in it, and he accelerated the process of moving that fig tree to death. That tells me that when when we can see it, when we believe it, and we start speaking to it, this is what makes us crazy as Christians. These people, they just start speaking wild things. I'm reminded Romans says God called things that are not as though they were. That don't make sense. I know, it doesn't make no sense. Crazy. God calls things that are not as though they were. This mountain is here. Believe you received it. in the, That that grammar, grammar, grammarly, grammically, doesn't make sense. You're saying call it present from the future but past tense. Received it? Believe you received it. And then speak to the Holy Spirit. Thing. you need that mountain move, that's frustrating you. Just tell that whatever is the holy frustration in your heart, and I say holy because it's got to line up with God's kingdom. It can't just be, I'm frustrated with lack. I'm going to start speaking to the lottery. Jesus, you know these numbers. Here are my numbers. I'm telling you. Now, 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 no. That, that's a whole other crazy. It's unholy. You need holy frustration. I'll tell you a holy frustration I had when I was working third shift, driving down Post Edition, which was a low-income area in Battle Creek. And I don't know why they always put strip clubs in low-income areas, but it just tells me that it's a reflection of something going spiritually. And this is a true story. Aren't all your stories true? Yeah, that was stupid to say. I have fun with them, obviously, but true story. Third shift, I would drive by, you know, you know, 9:30 at night, heading to work, or 10 o'clock, whatever time it was, and going, to, driving to Marshall, Michigan. Living in Battle Creek, driving to Marshall, and I and I would drive the back route behind Post Serial and Post Edition, and I'd see this strip club, and I'd see minivans in the parking lot, and you know who drives minivans? People with a family. And I and my spirit would grieve because I knew what is that guy? He's got children. Well, any man? Anyways, just immoral. So I would drive by it and I'd say, I curse you. I curse this strip club. I curse that club. I and I would I drive by and I would say, I command you to go out of business in Jesus. I'm not lying, God. I was being radical. I was being radical. Probably for a year or so. I just drive by every, not every night. Most nights I drive by it. I would see it. I'd see the minivans. I would be grieved. There would be a holy frustration. I say that cannot remain. We gotta change the landscape of post-edition. And this is ruining God's view and the people's view. Everyone living in post-edition, I curse this unholy business. And I can't remember how long, it was within the 24 month period. Massive article in the in the Battle Creek Inquirer. It burnt down. It burnt down. You should applaud because that is from the pits of hell and demonic. Now, why why would I share that to you? you? said, Pastor Mike, you closed the business. Yeah, right. I will pray on unho- unholy business out of business. it because it's not the landscape we want to see in our community is it no we want to see healthy marriages we you know what i want i want thriving churches not thriving strip clubs that 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 is human trafficking right in front of our faces and it's unholy and i believed there there was you know some corruption and all that and god brought it down now you may say it just caught on fire maybe but I don't think it's any coincidence that I was speaking to a, a, a holy frustration in my heart, an unholy business, and God brings it down because that's because I could see something different in that community. I could see it, and I believed it, and I spoke to the thing that was frustrating me. This is the power of faith. This is how it works. Faith sees. Faith believes. Faith speaks. And if you will do this, I believe. It will change the landscape of your life you need faith let's stand up close your eyes i want to pray today would you bow your heads and i want you to pray with a holy imagination send your own heart just ask the holy spirit father would you give me a picture of a new landscape. And whether it's in the spiritual landscape of your finances, your marriage, your career, um, the things you're involved in, your workplace, your community, your tribe, the people you're hanging out with, your family, whatever it is, just right now. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a picture of what could be. holy imagination, just faith rising. It's being stirred up right now. I just hear the Lord say, you're going to move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Where's your strong, where are you thinking? If, if your strongest thoughts is an all in fear and everything going on in the world, you're going to move in that direction. But this picture he's giving you now is a completely different direction. Father, give us a strong imagination strong thoughts and Kingdom thoughts that we can move in the direction of those things and it would change the landscape of our family it would change the landscape of our finances it would change the landscape of our marriage it would change the landscape of our children it would change the landscape of politics it would change the landscape of religion it would change the landscape of our business it would change the landscape right now in every area of our lives And we just pray all of this with a holy thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus name. Amen.